if you've had the experience, do you remember putting your child into the car, your oldest child, do you remember putting them into the car on the way home from the hospital after they were born? Uh, I can recall that very vividly. I, I remember fidgeting with the straps there in the room to put her in the carrier for the, the car seat. And uh, it took me like 15 minutes to get that right. I couldn't get everything lined up. I couldn't get the straps the way they were supposed to be. And she started out like a sleeper, at the very least happy. And by the time I'm done with like those 15 minutes, she's fussy. She's crying a little bit. And then we've got to take all this stuff. So I've got this carrier. Those things are heavy. Moms are amazing. Like put it out on their hip and just go. Those things are heavy. I'd never carried one before. And so I've got that. And we've got some other stuff. And, and we've got to go down to the parking lot. And, of course, as luck would have it, we get out to the parking lot, and I'm trying to put this carrier into the, the base that, it, that comes with it in the car seat, and I can't get it to fit right. And, of course, it's June. It's Lufkin, Texas. It's a million degrees outside. We're all sweaty. We're all tired. We're all crying probably by this point. Uh, Stephanie's just gone through this traumatic experience on her body and having a child, uh, and I thought in that moment, I thought, you know, it'd be so much easier just to take her out of this car seat and Stephanie just hold her. We're just driving back to the house like five miles away. So that's what we did. We took her out of the car seat. We put her into Stephanie's lap. We drove home and we saw that car seat from time to time in the closet gathering dust, but we never used it again. No, we didn't. <laughs> and you would be horrified. Some of the looks on some of your faces, you were horrified thinking that's what we did. But I think sometimes, maybe, that's the way we are tempted to respond when facing the difficulty of implementing new spiritual habits with our children. They're new, they're tough, uh, things don't work right, and so sometimes we don't stick with those things like we should. And so this morning, I want this lesson to to hopefully be an encouragement, an encouragement to build spiritual habits into your family and into mine. Now, no doubt, it would have been easier on us for us to just hop in the car and hold Madison on the way back to the house, not to put her in her car seat at all, and to tell ourselves, well, you know, we'll do it at a time that is less stressful, or we'll do it at a time that is more convenient. But that wouldn't have been best or safest for any of us, especially not what would be best for her. And if your hospital experience was anything like mine, you had already endured a long lecture about the importance of car seats, along with all of the statistics about the lives that are saved by its proper use. I had that knowledge of what I needed to do. And I had even been warned by our nurse, I don't know if she just saw something in me, that guy's not a rule follower but she warned me about the potential legal ramifications if I did not do what I was supposed to do in regard to this car seat. All of that was maybe extra motivation, but ultimately, it was the love for my daughter and my desire to do what was best for her instead of what was easiest for me that caused me to put her in that car seat that day and then the next day and the next and the next until she was old enough she didn't need it anymore. A habit was established, begun that day in the, the heat of that parking lot, and it became second nature to our family and, and millions of other families across the country who do the same thing. This was just what we did. 
And we didn't have to make the decision every time, you know, we're going out of the house. Car seat or no this time? Do we do the car seat this time? It was just something expected. This was the reality of what we did. And obviously all of us who are here this morning, I would wager, if I were a betting man, all of us believe that the spiritual well-being of our children is even more important than their physical well-being. That the things of God and things of a spiritual nature, those are the things that last. And so, what can we do to establish these same kinds of spiritual habits for their growth, protection, and well-being? Things that we all agree on, this is what's best for them. Things we all agree on, this is the right thing to do. Things we all agree on that this is what God's Word demands of us as parents. But making that determination to actually do it and then doing it, that's what I would like for us to discuss. Because I believe that God has a plan, a a blueprint in regard to the kind of parenting that He demands. But what is that plan? Well, turn to Psalm 127, if you would, the 127th Psalm. We have two Psalms back-to-back that are both about parenting that are about the family. And uh, if you are here this morning and you are not yet a parent, or maybe your, parent, uh, your, your kids have uh, left the house already, um, this is not your opportunity to just sit back and say, thankfully he's finally preaching to somebody else. I, I would suggest that these things that we're going to discuss this morning are going to be helpful to anybody who's trying to establish a spiritual habit. But I want to make special application to families, and specifically families that have younger children at home. Applies to everybody, but but that's our specific uh, area of application. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And the house to which he is referring here is to the home. Verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy, blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. And that's great, isn't it? We see that foundational, fundamental principle that the Lord has to build our home. But that's not a plan. What's what's God's plan in regard to this? Well... The very next psalm is about parenting as well, and it begins this way. Verse 1, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His way. Now he said just a verse ago, of course these psalms are probably written at different times, maybe by different people, but they are combined and and compiled by the Holy Spirit in this order. And so in verse 5, blessed, happy is the man who has these children. In verse 1 of chapter of Psalm 128, blessed, happy is the man who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. Walking in God's ways implies what our regular, habitual rhythms of life are. I am directed by God. I am walking as God has directed me. This is what my life is about. And this is the path to true blessings in my family, spiritually and physically. So let's be more specific. What are God's ways? What should I be doing regularly? What kind of spiritual habits should I have in my my house, in my life, in my home? 
Well, I'm going to strive to answer that question with a few things, but before I do, can I suggest that maybe we know already what we should actively and habitually be doing? We know that already better than we think. Raise your hand if you knew uh, in the state of Texas, in the United States of America, that you had to put kids under a certain age in a car seat. Raise your hand if you knew that. A few people didn't raise their hands. Uh, Yeah, that's where we are. They're making us do that now. Uh, We knew that, right? And I think sometimes in regard to these spiritual things, we, we have that knowledge, we have that understanding Maybe it's something we had to learn. I, I rode to Colorado uh, standing on the center console with my grandparents back in the day. So maybe it's something we had to learn. But if you're here this morning, I would suggest that you probably know the kind of habits that you should have in your home. If you were to make a list right now and say, okay, these are the things, the habits that we should have, what would be included on that list? Well, What spiritual things should we be doing? I think you would probably have daily prayer on there, right? Wouldn't you all say that's something we should be doing in our lives as a habit, in our families as a habit? Daily Bible reading would probably be on your list. Daily Bible study, that's something that the Bible is pretty clear. This is an important thing that we need to do. Attending worship services. Maybe you would put it a different way, worship or going to church, whatever you would say. But the need to worship God with other saints, that's something that we need to have as a habit. Maybe you would put attending Bible classes or or opportunities to study the Word of God where there's a teacher involved and there's learning involved in that. And maybe there are some other things that we would add in addition to those uh, five things that I have listed right there. Uh, I've just put some ideas up there, you know, daily worship and song, visiting the sick and shut-in, helping the needy, writing cards or making calls or sending messages, practicing hospitality, attending devotionals so on and so on and so on. But even those things, I mean, this is not like it's some super creative list that's like, oh, I've never heard that before. The problem is not, I would suggest, knowing what habits we need in our family. The problem so often is the implementation of those habits where they become habits. The problem is not knowledge of what to do. The problem is implementation of that knowledge regularly. The real question is, how do we do it? And that's what's difficult. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for us, and especially not for young parents. We're going to have to put in some work. And at times it is going to be frustrating and difficult. But it is work that is worth it for us and for our children. If you're still there in Psalm 128, let's keep reading in verse 2. So blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in His ways. That's walking in the ways of God. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. Same word as blessed. And it shall be well with you. Then your family. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's Children, peace be upon Israel. So the image there that we see in verse 3 is of the early stages of family life. Verse 2 says that we will eat the fruit of our labor. So the metaphor is is we're going to eat the fruit of our labor, and that's 
closely followed by the wife and the children being described as vines, in verse 3, and olive trees. What do vines and olive trees have in common? They both produce fruit. And so the principle here is you reap what you sow. That's the general principle. And specifically, when we think about grapes and wine, which come from vines, and we think about oil that comes from olives, all of those things are fruit from the process of sowing and reaping, and they are specifically fruit that we see in the Old Testament that's associated with great blessing. In fact, specifically in the prophets, the most blessed life in the Old Testament, the life that shows, hey, God is really with you, you have lots of blessings, is when you sit under your own vine and with your own olive tree. Here, the psalmist does something really powerful. He says, you see those things that are associated with blessing. You know what the greatest blessing really is? It's this family, if you're sitting with and amongst them. And again, Psalm 127 gives the image that we read a second ago of arrows as the family. And so here's this archer, and he has his quiver of arrows, and he takes the arrows, and he shoots the arrows. That's the image. So maybe that's more like when you're sending your children off into the world. You're shooting that arrow uh, of the child now, hopefully that's already raised. But Psalm 128 is more the early stages of parenting. We have these olive shoots that are growing into the fruit-bearing stages. And so there's the picture of this family, a dad and a mom and however many children around a table. And the consistent work that is done at these early stages impacts everything that comes after it. What are you reaping? Well, that's generally what you've sown. So my question is, what are we sowing in our families? That's generally what we're going to reap. And whatever impact our children might have on our lives in the future with you know, grandchildren and peace and prosperity and all those sorts of things, whatever impact they might have on the world, that's the idea of Jerusalem and peace beyond Israel that we see in those last two verses. Whatever impact they have on us and the world in the future usually begins with the work, the foundation that's being laid here and now while they're in our homes. Godly adults don't usually just happen. They come from godly young adults. And godly young adults don't usually just happen. They come from godly teens, and godly teens come from homes where godliness is emphasized and expressed when they were children. So to the young parents especially, or to parents who have young children... It is not too early. It is not too early to start establishing godly habits in your home. The younger they are, the better. When my girls were younger, my, uh, my family started a pretty regimented uh, nighttime habit. You know, we put on our PJs, we brush our teeth. Uh, back in the day, each kid picked a book, a secular book. We read a Bible story, maybe from a children's Bible book or a, a children's devotional book. We asked a question of each of our girls, and then a different family member said the prayer each night, and then we went to bed. Uh, and that was super regimented when they were really, really little. But that's changed some now that they're older, and I'll admit it's, it's harder. But because we started when they were very young, there is that expectation that is already there that, that we're going to do this. And, and even if we miss more now than what we did before, that habit, that expectation has been set. 
At the same time, while those early years are very important, I also want you to know to the rest of us and to those who have parent, parents who have kids of all ages, it's not too late to start either. Uh, I was thinking about this. We have uh, about six years left with Maddie, that one that we brought home in the car seat all those years ago. We have about six years at home left with her, Lord willing, and one way of looking at that is we're already two-thirds of the way through. We've already used up two-thirds of the time. But I think the better way of looking at that is this. We still have six whole years to pour God's love and God's Word into her and build her faith. So with that in mind, let me suggest four steps to establishing godly habits in our home. Four steps that I would like to suggest... Number one, make, make it a commitment. Whatever it is that you're wanting to establish in your home. The Bible is filled with people who made commitments to do God's will for themselves and commitments to do God's will for their families. Maybe the most famous of those is found in Joshua chapter 24. Uh, maybe you could even quote this verse, but let's uh, go back there and read it together. At the end of Joshua's big speech to the whole children of Israel, this is what he says, beginning... In verse 14, at the very end of that verse, he says, Serve the Lord. Then verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, I can't speak for any of the rest of you, but I can speak for me and my house. We are going to do this. And maybe that commitment to us looks like writing it down or saying it out loud. Maybe it means telling someone else. Maybe it means a commitment between a husband and a wife. Maybe it goes so far, and this is something that I stole from the Cisco's, sometimes those commitments means that there's a written out contract that we and the kids sign. Maybe even more powerfully, you commit yourself to God in prayer. Father in heaven, as a family, we will do this, and we're asking for your help and guidance in doing so. But the reality is that all good, well, and certainly all difficult habits, begin with commitment that we are going to do this. Secondly, I would suggest making it simple. Make it as simple as possible. Uh, it doesn't have to be some big, routine, convoluted process. Maybe it's as simple as read one Bible story and then ask each kid a question. That's what we did. Maybe it's read one devotional from a book. Maybe it is rotating through the family who says the prayer every night, and so we say one prayer together. Make it simple, something that everybody in the family knows what it is we're supposed to do, and one of the great benefits of that is your kids will start keeping you honest on that, especially if it's bedtime and they don't want to go to bed. Wait a second, what about the Bible reading, right? Make it simple and make it easy. Make it as easy and as attainable as possible. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something here in just a second. And, and if you go through the process of determining what habit do we want to establish, how are we going to do that, if you look down at that and say... That's never going to happen. Will you do something for me? Will you mark it out, get another sheet from the rack in the back, and start over? Because it needs to be something that we look at and we say, we can do this as a family. 
If you say we're not going to do this, you're right. (laughs) You're already defeated. And so start small enough to where we will do this and then build from that. Ten minutes of Bible study as a family is great. Three minutes is okay. And so don't feel so guilty about starting small, about not doing enough that it leads you not to do anything. Um, As the prophet Zechariah said, don't, don't despise the day of small things because that can lead to bigger things later on. And then finally, number four, four steps to building godly habits in your home, schedule it. Uh, Another way of putting that is stack that on with something else. Maybe that is a scheduled time. Maybe that's a scheduled place where this habit always takes place. Maybe it's attached onto, stacked onto another activity that you already do on a regular basis. The best of all is if it's all of the above. There's a time, there's a place, and it's associated with something else that we already do regularly. Uh, Let's say... Uh, who in here ever had their kids in any sort of athletics at all? You know, soccer or those sorts of things in the city. Lots of us have done that sort of thing. Uh, and there are all sorts of extracurriculars that our kids might be involved in, you know, even from an early age. Maybe they're in tumbling or soccer or they're learning to play an instrument. That means that you have practices. And let's say that you have little dribblers practice at 6.30 on Tuesdays. Where will you be at 6.30 on Tuesdays? Little dribblers practice. Because you've scheduled that and made a commitment to do that. You've set aside the time for that activity. What if we scheduled biblical habits in a similar way? Or even more, what if we connected our spiritual activities to our pre-scheduled physical activities? Uh, It seems as though as my daughters are getting older, we have more and more and more of those kinds of commitments. What if... What if we attached something spiritual to every one of those physical commitments? Isn't that a big part of the idea of praying before meals? Yeah, we're praying before meals because we have a pattern of that in the Bible and and because we're thankful for what God has given. But you know what you're going to do a few times every day? If you're like most of us, you're going to eat. And so we attach something spiritual to that regular physical activity. It's the same concept behind fasting. Of course, fasting is removing something from your life. But the idea is, this is something that I do regularly that I'm removing and I'm replacing it with something spiritual. And so that concept of attaching something spiritual to a physical activity is something we see throughout the Bible. So maybe, if you have little dribblers practice at 6.30 on Tuesdays, maybe you make the commitment that On the way to basketball practice on Tuesdays, we're going to say a special prayer for the sick of the congregation. And so every every Tuesday at 6 o'clock on the way to practice, we as a family say that prayer in the car. Are you thinking about your schedule? Um, It's like mine. You're probably saying, boy, I do not see a lot of room on this schedule for a bunch of new stuff. the, The reality is there's probably not a place on the schedule that's just perfect. Oh, here it is. But I want to encourage you to make one, to find that time, and treat this as a commitment that must be fulfilled. The same time, same place, maybe every day. Maybe that isn't always what works best, and that's okay as long as we continue to have a tradition, a habit that is consistent. Uh, maybe it's not the same place every day, but maybe it's, it's at the same time every week, whatever that might be. 
And the biblical text gives us guidance on what's, what that looks like. Uh, one of my favorite places to find this guidance is in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. And uh, we mentioned this very briefly when we studied through the book of Daniel, but, but turn to Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. And I believe that Daniel gives us a formula of what his daily prayer habit consisted of. And I think we can break down the pieces of that habit and then apply them to habits that we're trying to start. So you're, you know what happens in Daniel chapter 6. That's Daniel in the lion's den. They're attacking Daniel because of his faith. A decree goes out that you cannot pray to any god except the king for a certain period of days. And what does Daniel do? He goes and prays just like he always does. Verse 10. Let's read this verse together. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, notice, as was his custom since early days. This was Daniel's tradition. This was Daniel's habit. This was his custom. And what did that consist of? Well, Daniel prayed. He has made a commitment to do something, and that's what he does. He prays at a certain time. Three times a day he does this. He does that in a specific location. It is in his upper chamber, and there are some consistent ideal conditions that apparently Daniel had done for a long, long time. He was on his knees with his windows open toward Jerusalem. That was the way he prayed. Uh, all of this is on the back side of your handout, coincidentally. Um, and so what I would like you to think about is picking a habit that you're not doing consistently or one, uh, one that you know you need to do that you're not doing at all. And plug that habit that you want to do, plug that habit into this formula of a commitment, a time, a location, and then the ideal conditions. So for example, uh, here's one that we do, my girls and I. We will pray, that's our commitment. The time is before school. The location is in the car, and the ideal conditions for us in our morning routine is we need to start that prayer as soon as we are pulling out of the driveway. We don't start the prayer when we get into the car because sometimes people forget stuff and all those sorts of things. Does everybody have everything? But when we pull out of the driveway and start going, we need to start that prayer so that we're not rushed by the time we get to school and start dropping people off. So we pray before school in the car as soon as we pull out of the driveway. And that is something that we've done since the girls were, well, started going to school. Maybe for you it's something like, well, a habit, you know, we're here at worship, but a habit that would be good for us to start is, is if we started coming to, to Bible classes. So maybe for you, you sit down and you write down, you say, we will attend Bible class, and the time is at 9 a.m., the location is at the church building, and what are the ideal conditions for our family in order to do that? Well, maybe it is we've got to leave by 8.30 so that we're not rushed, so that we're not late. Maybe that is we lay clothes out the night before so that we're ready to get there a little bit earlier. You've got to set those ideal conditions that are going to help you to fulfill this habit. Uh, one more example, maybe it is 
we will read our daily congregational Bible reading. That's a daily habit. We're going to do that, pick a time, every night before bed, pick a place. Uh, We can do that in the bedroom, or maybe it's in the bathroom while everybody's brushing their teeth, whatever happens right before bed. And what are the ideal conditions? Um, Something that's really helpful to us is we take that bookmark and we have a Bible that's laid out in the living room. That bookmark is there in that Bible, so, so we're prepared to do that reading. All of the conditions are right there. I think that's even easier right now because we're reading out of that, that yellow Harmony of the Gospels book. The book is there. The bookmark is in it. And now I'm ready to fulfill this commitment to this habit that we've made. So that's the habit. That's what we want to happen. But I want to tell you, sometimes we will miss the habit. Sometimes that happens. The kids fall asleep on the way home, and so we're not able to do our Bible reading. Someone is staying at somebody else's house, and it's their turn to pray tonight. Someone is sick, and we're having to take care of them, or maybe we as a parent are sick, and we're not able to do it. But when we do miss, the key is, to not get down or discouraged or guilty about that, but instead get right back at it as soon as we can. The next night, if possible. If we resolve, you know, sometimes I'm going to miss this. This is the reality. But I'm never going to miss two nights in a row in our daily Bible reading. Well, that's going to give us the opportunity to catch back up, number one. But number two, that's going to make sure that we're consistent in this, that the habit doesn't fall to the wayside. Uh, Psalm 128 talked about children as olive shoots. Anybody in here ever had an olive tree? Anybody? I had an olive tree. Uh, It it came with the house uh, that we bought a number of years ago, uh, and and it was an olive shoot. It was about, you know, two and a half feet tall or so, and I thought, how cool is this we have an olive tree? Um, Maybe that's the way some people are with kids. How cool is this? We have kids, right? But I said I had an olive tree because that thing is now on a burn pile because I didn't take care of it. I didn't do anything for it. Um, I had done all of this uh, biblical research on olive trees, and, you know, olive trees are super resilient. They're heat-resistant, fire-resistant, bug-resistant. They live for thousands of years. And I thought, this is the perfect tree for me because this tree doesn't die. I mean, this thing will outlive me. And then, you know, a couple years later, there it is, dead as a doornail. What I came to realize and understand was, number one, there are different kinds of olive trees. But number two, all of those things that apply to olive trees apply to them once they reach maturity. This is a kid olive tree, and I didn't take care of it. I didn't water it like I should when it was hot, didn't cover it like I should when it was cold, those sorts of things. I didn't have those habits in place. And so I'm trying with all of this drought and dryness that we've been having here lately, how hot it's been. I've been trying to take better care of the plants so that we don't have another olive tree situation. And we've got this bush down on the end, this shrub that's been struggling. It's lost some of its leaves. And so I've been trying to go out there and water it and so forth. Uh, Well, the other night I would put it on for a little trickle. You know, uh, I was going to leave it for 20 or 30 minutes, just a little trickle. You know what comes next? What happened? I forgot. Uh, I forgot that I had turned that on. I go out there the next day, and there is, you know, it was just a trickle. It's not like the whole yard was wet, and I'm going to have a $3,000 water bill. But there was a lot of water out there. So that means that I'm good to go with that tree for the rest of the summer, right? I mean, I gave it enough water to last the whole summer, so we're good to go, right? 
Of course not. Because we know that that habit has to keep coming, and that's what's going to be best for this tree if it's going to survive. So too in regard to these spiritual habits. It is better for the health of our children not to just give them a ton all at once. We have this this moment of conviction. We need to do something as a family and we start doing things. It is even more important to, to do maybe a smaller amount, but to do it on a regular basis. We have in our minds, I think sometimes, I know I have, that, the, that everything has to be perfect. Time, environment, what we say in order to establish a spiritual habit. But I suggest this morning that those occasions where we do something, and it's not perfect, maybe it's mediocre or even bad, but you still did it anyway and you didn't miss it, those might be the most important times of all. The prayer at night when everybody's mad at one another. You ever had to do that with your kids? The family Bible reading that is accompanied by groans and protest. Oh, do we have to do this tonight? Being forced, uh, maybe, to do your habit uh, in an environment that's not exactly conducive. Maybe that's in the car on the way home from a ball game, or you're in a hotel somewhere on a trip, because that's the only time and availability that you have on that day. Maybe it's something like visiting another congregation on a Wednesday night, interrupting vacation, no less, and you go there and it's just, it's not very good. Maybe it's the morning devotional, if you do devotionals in the morning, where everybody's fallen asleep because they stayed up too late the night before. Those moments are important because it shows what is important to your family. That we will do these things even when things aren't perfect. And so I encourage you to embrace consistency over perfection. Doing something consistently over and over is more important than doing something perfectly a few times sporadically. Uh, My dad was just really, really harsh on, on some things. And I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. But one of the things that he was really like, just dogmatic on is, you know, we're going we're gonna to have some time as a family every night. We're going to read and study and uh, have a little prayer. We're going to do that. And, and I remember doing that in all kinds of weird places, all kinds of late nights. And, and there were lots of times where there were really bad attitudes about that. And uh, I told my dad about that. I thanked him. I said, thank you for doing that. And he's like, man, we just missed way more of those than what I would have liked. I'm like, what are you? I didn't think we missed a single one my whole time growing up, right? Because, because we were committed to it, because we did it. And his mind as a parent is, man, I messed up. I didn't do well enough on that. And I think that's the devil whispering in our ear. If we can just show consistency that this is important to our family because this is important to God, it will make a bigger impact than we can imagine. Uh, Y'all know one of my favorite quotes comes from a, a guy named Jacob Rees, uh, a sociologist, philosopher. Um, when nothing seems to help, I go look at a stone cutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. 
pound the spiritual rock of godly habits in your home until it splits open with faith. Last week in Bible class, we talked about Joseph and Mary and them going up to Jerusalem at the Passover and and how that was a habit for them and their family. So that's the last verse that I want you to look at, Luke chapter 2. We didn't get a chance to discuss this in Bible class. We don't really have a chance to discuss it tonight. But I do want to point something out. Luke chapter 2 and verses 41 and 42. His parents, that's Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, his parents went to to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. This was no small undertaking. Time, money, planning, effort, inconvenience, time off of work would all be required of them as a family to make this multiple-week, 90-mile journey and stay with arrangements made ahead of time. This was a home where they were following the law of the Lord, but not just following what was required by the law and nothing more. They were facilitating faithfulness through their spiritual habits. This was their way of life. Who went up to Jerusalem at the Passover every year? His parents, the family. Now, under the law, you know who was required to go up to Jerusalem every year? The the head of the household, the man was. But for Joseph, that wasn't good enough. He was going to take his family as well. Joseph and Mary apparently saw the benefit of the whole family doing this together, of making this their spiritual habit. And that's the kind of home that Jesus grew up in, and that's the kind of home that I want my kids to grow up in, too. And so... Here's the question. What do you need to do as a family, as an individual Christian? What habit do you need to establish of a spiritual nature? What do you need to establish and build into your family and into your home? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this afternoon, this evening, when you get the next chance. On that handout, you've got a blank space. I just want you to list out all of the habits that would be good to do as a family. And then... Take that list of 10 or 12 and say, we're going to do all of these starting today. No. I want you to pick one or two of those and say, this is really important. I mean, how clear is the Bible on faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? We need to read together as a family, for instance. This is really important. We're going to pick one or maybe two of these. We're going to plug it into this formula. And as a family, this is going to be our new habit that we do together. Well, remember the beginning of the lesson? I know it was a long time ago now. Uh, Coming home from the hospital. Fast forward a few months from that first day leaving the hospital and putting Madison in her car seat. You know, I never forgot to put her in her car seat or decided, you know, we don't have time to do that right now. It was just an expected reality of life. But even more, besides just being a habit, it got so much easier to do because it was a habit. I could get, in that, I could get her in that car seat by myself without Stephanie's help. I could do that quickly. I could do it while carrying other things and talking on the phone at the same time because that's the power of repetition. That's the power of habit. And so let's use that power in serving God and serving our families. And if you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, Your journey can begin, 
not with all of these habits, but, but begin with that commitment that, that I want to submit myself to Jesus. And He has given Himself on a cross so that I can come and have my sins forgiven. And then praise God, by His grace, God, God will save us by Jesus' blood if we come and put Christ on in baptism. And then He equips us to then live the life that He's called us to live. And by His grace, if we're Christians, when we fall short of living that life, we can go to God in prayer and have our sins forgiven when we repent and confess of those things. So if you need to do either one of those things this morning, or you need prayers from this group of, of faithful people, come now, while together we stand and while we sing. Why do you wait, dear brother?